Sorry I'm late, everyone. It's all right. The meeting's just getting started. Are you in your closet? Yeah, it's the quietest place. <laughs> ah, not the roomiest, though. Getting closer with your closet these days? That a uh, dinosaur costume behind you? What? No. <laughs> the Container Store's custom closet sale is here to help with up to 25% off closet systems and free virtual in-home closet design. Who wants Sean to put on the dino suit? Really, guys? The Container Store, where space comes from. We talked Jets last hour. We get to the Giants now for the first time officially during this 2020 season. A giant report from PDOT himself, the giant historian, Paul Dettino. Oh, God. PDOT. Good afternoon, fellas. And to transition from the NBA, being a diehard Knicks fan, I can tell you the only thing normal about this pandemic is that the Knicks are not in the playoffs. Well, you got the lottery on Thursday, make, though. The Knicks didn't even make the bubble. <laughs> no, never mind the playoffs. Come on. My, oh, my. But, yeah, you're right, Evan. Uh, I know Joe and I will be very much hoping that the lottery turns out uh, with a really good pick for them. But, hey, it's great to be back in football mode again. In fact, the Giants are going to hit the practice field for their first evening practice of training camp in approximately an hour and a half. And uh, we will see exactly what uh, what Joe Judge has in mind for this this very odd nighttime event. Well, let's start with the coach because I think the coach is getting most of the attention here. Um, the fact that he is ru- running a very tough practice, a very organized practice. He has guys running gassers. He's got coaches running gassers. Give me your early impressions on training camp, Joe Judge style. Well, I think we told you when he was hired that the whole turn back the clock, uh, turn back to the early days of what Tom Coughlin must have been like when he was in his 30s, that's exactly what the Giants have gotten, fellas. Uh, The guy has so much attention to detail, so much attention to discipline, plans and plans and plans, leaving no stone unturned, uh, meticulous. He is very much animated and all over the practice field, does not leave anything to chance. He wants to see it all. Uh, He's broken up his squad into two different sections and then told each one of those sections to run simultaneous drills so that they can truly get enough reps and snaps for everybody on what is right now an 81-man roster. Remember, Platzgummer is the Austrian running back assigned by the international rules. He does not count on the 80-man roster. So they actually have 81 guys on the field. And what Judge often does, if he's not concentrating on one particular play that he wants to see, he'll stand between the two groups. And one group on the left side will run the play. Then he turns to the right side, and that group will run the same play. So he's getting an opportunity to give everybody at camp a chance to get some reps. And he feels that that's the best way to evaluate since there'll be no preseason games. How, how do you feel about that? What's your, we asked Brian Costello about this with the Jets, but what, what's your thoughts about no preseason games? Do you look at that as a plus, a negative? What's your thoughts on that, Paul? It is a dramatic negative. I love the preseason. I'm the biggest preseason fan in NFL history uh, because I have a coaches and general managers mentality. And when you come from that side of the fence, you want those preseason games. You want to see the competition, even on the back of the depth chart, because everybody knows you're only as strong as your weakest link. And too many years in, in recent times when the Giants have not been a good team, They've been giving away eight, nine, ten spots on the back of their roster to placeholders 
to guys who are not really going to contribute that much because, you know what, they didn't have enough talent and they weren't deep enough that those spots really didn't mean anything because they didn't have anybody fighting for them. Well, now as the Giants are getting better and as Dave Gettleman is trying to stock the shelves to, to be much more fruitful, there's now competition. The guys are fighting for the backup spots. The guys are fighting to be the third-string corner or the third-string linebacker or the third-string tackle. I mean, the Giants have Cameron Fleming right now as their number three tackle. He's their swing tackle, okay? And now he's going to probably wind up becoming a starter with Thomas on the other side now that Solder has opted out. If that had happened in any of the previous, what, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years, what were they going to do? Who was their third tackle? Who was their swing tackle? Some guy at the grocery store? Mm. That, that tells you how much better this Giants team is and why preseason games would have been incredibly valuable to them. How about, and maybe there isn't that much value in this, you tell me, the fact that Joe Judge has never coached an NFL game. This is going to be the first year for him, and he doesn't even get those kind of you know, warm-ups, if you will, those preseasons. Now, he's got great experience on his staff. Jason Garrett's coached a lot, as we've seen over the last few years with Dallas. But besides, you know, evaluating players and having tape and having position battles, how about that aspect for Joe Judge, that his first coached game is week one of the NFL? I'm so glad you brought that up, Evan, because that's the other 50% of the reason as to why I'm so emphatic about I wanted there the preseason games. Joe Judge has learned from the best. We know that. Belichick and Saban. Okay, that's wonderful. But now he's the guy running the ship. He is Captain Kirk. Okay? And he's got his Scotty, and he's got his Sulu, and he's got his Mr. Spock, and his Dr. McCoy. That's great. And, and he's going to have to figure out how to lean, lean on them and navigate through the galaxy. But he is still going to be Captain Kirk for the first time ever. He Remember, he was never a head coach at the NCAA level. And, and he's never been a head coach before in the NFL, which is why now each of the next uh, four weeks, he will have a once a week intra squad scrimmage where they're going to set up offense against defense and take specific game situations. And they're not only going to put the players in those game situations, they're also going to put the coaches in game situations because he's going to try to do his best to replicate the game day experience so that they can have some reps themselves. And Joe that w- uh, and Evan, that would not have been necessary had there been preseason games. But this is the way he's creativ- uh, his creativity has come into play because he knows he needs that as much as the players do. With uh, Solder opting out, uh, is uh, the number one pick Thomas, is he going to be on the left side? I expect him to be the starting left tackle week one against the Steelers and Cameron Fleming in all likelihood to be the starting right tackle. Fleming, of course, is a a veteran who had time with the Patriots before he went to the Cowboys the last couple of years. It it seemed like him starting on the right side because Nate Solder was there was more of a luxury than anything. I mean, when you draft a guy that high, the plan is, and the plan when they drafted him on that night was he's eventually your left tackle. So it's almost kind of speeding up what the plan was anyway for him. I absolutely agree with you. In my opinion, based on the economics of Solder's contract, you probably would have had him for one more season. And then business-wise, you could see with the salary cap savings, it certainly would have made a lot of sense and it would have been palatable to have Solder play the 2020 season 
and then flop Thomas over to the left tackle spot anyway, and then maybe at right tackle by that point, Matt Paird, the guy they drafted in the third round out of UConn, after maybe having a redshirt year in 2020, would have been ready to move in as potentially the starting right tackle in 2021. But that's not the case now. Paird's obviously not ready. So you go with the veteran Fleming, and thank goodness they signed that swing tackle. And to be honest, he becomes like Mike Remmers was last year, a guy who's an insurance policy, but if he can win the starting job and he shows he's healthy, there's nothing wrong with having him over there. He's very functional. Now, Remmers wound up taking a job in Kansas City with the Chiefs, and I think he's going to start for them. And so, you know, Fleming becomes this year's Mike Remmers, a guy who's going to have to be functional and play at a satisfactory level. And I think he can do that at the right side. And Thomas now gets thrown into the left tackle spot a year earlier than they probably anticipated. You know, you look at the Giants offense and they do have a bunch. There is a lot of, you know, pretty effective skill guys if they can stay healthy. I mean, you know, you look at Barkley, you look at Ingram, you look at Darius Slayton, his emergence last year, Shepard. I mean, they do have a bunch of guys. Golden Tate. Golden Tate, right? Another one. I mean, they do have a bunch of guys that, you know, uh, can do some damage uh, in the skill positions. I mean, how about that, Paul? I don't think there's any doubt, especially if you consider the Jason Garrett's, the new offensive coordinator. Right, right. And after the decade he was in Dallas, you saw they want to run the ball a lot. They want to play power ball. So there'll be a heavy reliance on Saquon Barkley, and I don't think anybody would laugh at that, right? Doesn't that sound like a good plan? <laughs> yes, yes, I would and say And then so. on top of that, you'll also probably see a lot of double tight end sets, which they've been running with the Cowboys for years, which means Caden Smith, who caught 30-something balls last year after Ingram was hurt, and by the way, out of Stanford, which has been a tremendous tight end school over the last decade, he's also a pretty good blocker. So you'll probably see a lot of double tight end sets early in downs with Smith and Ingram. I think that sets up the Giants actually very, very well when you consider that that type of offense should also take some pressure off Daniel Jones. Not that he he has to wilt under pressure because he doesn't. I think Daniel Jones has shown he's very poised. But as he tries to develop and take his game to the next level, imagine the luxury of double tight end sets knowing he's got Barkley. No doubt. Look, this is a team, and they were a you know a decent offense last year. The biggest problem was their defense. That was their biggest issue. No doubt. So let's, let's address some of these things. First of all, the cornerbacks. They go out and add James Bradbury, fine move. DeAndre Baker, you have to forget he's on this team. Sam Beal has opted out. Give us your view right now on the cornerback depth of this football team. Well, I think that Corey Ballantyne, in my mind, is, is the guy with the nose up on the rest of the co- quarter's competition on the boundary. Uh, I do like what I saw last year. When they then moved him inside to the slot during the latter half of the season, he did not fare so well. He looked like a rookie and a deer in headlights. And I just think with his length and his speed, he's better suited to the boundary. So I'd like to see Gory Ballantyne step up, mature, and win that job opposite Bradbury because I think his skill set is sufficient to do a functional job. I'm not asking for an all-pro out there. I just want a guy to be solid. And I think that Ballantyne's skills show he's got that capability. And I think the guy who's in the lead right now, and we heard a lot about him during the week of the Senior Bowl, out of UCLA, fourth-round pick Darnay Holmes, who had a terrific junior season at, at the, with the Bruins, then last year suffered a badly sprained ankle, had a down year, so he drops in the draft. But at the Senior Bowl, 
Not only did he have a terrific week, but they also tried him. He played slot there for the first time in his career, and he looked good doing it. So the Giants wound up picking him up in the fourth round. And so far, during the early portions of camp, I think he has been the defensive MVP since the Giants got onto the practice field. He looks terrific. So I'm going to say right now, I'm going to give him the lead in the slot spot, and we'll see if the Giants play it from there. What, what kind of, talking to Paul Dottino about the Giants, what, what kind of expectation level do you have going into this season for this team, Paul? What, what are you looking at right now? I expect the Giants to be an improved team. I, I don't think there's any question they will have incremental improvement in several spots on the roster. Like I said, I believe there's a lot of competition for some of the starting spots, for sure, on the defense, but also some of the spots on the depth chart. And when you have that kind of competition, you know by definition your team is better. And I also really, really cannot tell you enough about not only what I've seen and and, and heard and, and talked with these assistant coaches, this staff has gotten accolades from every facet of the NFL and the NCAA that I have talked to. I have talked to guys high and wide, and they were like, man, Giants, you guys got an elite coaching staff over there. Can't believe what Judge put together. He's got four guys on his staff who are head coaches either in the NFL or at a big-time NCAA program, whether it's Kitchens or Garrett uh, or, or Dooley. You know, he, he's got guys who, who have done it before. And, and, a, and Bielema is the other one, Brett Bielema. Right, Obviously, right. Wisconsin and Wisconsin, Arkansas. Arkansas. So, right, so right. these guys are people he can lean on. In addition to that, okay, I believe out of the 24 members of the staff that he has under him, I did this count the other day, I believe it's 45% of them have come from the Saban-Belichick background. So they get it. They understand detail. They understand championships. They understand energy and dedication to the craft. And so they're all on the same page. It's going to be very easy for him to explain what he wants to those guys and for them to translate it. And I think the other thing that's important, he hired teachers. All of these guys, in addition to those characteristics, are all teachers at heart. And I think too many coaching staffs that I've seen over the years at the NFL level don't have enough of teachers. They're guys who say, look, this is what I say. This is my game plan. This is what you have to do. Go do it. And I don't think there are enough of guys who teach the players, this is why we're doing it, so that if you understand it better, chances are your execution is going to be at a higher level. And Judge, Judge t- tells every one of his coaches, I don't want to hear what my guys can't do. I want to hear what you're going to do to get them to function. And I think that mentality is incredibly beneficial to this staff and to these players. So will the Giants be a better team and a more competitive team? I have very little doubt about that right now. Will that translate into more wins at the end of the season? I'm not so sure. Because this is a crazy year. Their schedule is difficult. Some of the travel is difficult. And Lord only knows, you know, with guys going in and out of the lineups because of potential COVID on a weekly basis, who's to say how many games you're going to win? We're talking to Paul Latino. I I thought it was interesting. I actually listened to him explain, Joe Judge, why they weren't going with the names on the back of the jerseys that each player and coaches should know the player based on the way they move. The movement of the players should be enough. 
How maybe this is more common than I know, Paul. You tell me. Is this kind of a, a common approach? Is this a new approach? Your thoughts on this? It's not new. It it has been done at different levels over the course of time. It's not innovative. It's not a a a, a, a nouveau type of thing or or something that he plucked out of left field. But what it does do by him stressing, I want all the players to study so hard that they know the physical characteristics and the movements of the other guys. That's basically, to me, it's just a mechanism to tell them that when you're watching game tape and when you're, when you're looking at these guys, you better be laser-focused, go back and run it again, go back and run it again, go back and run it again, and make sure that that stuff is ingrained in your eyes and in your brains. And, and that, to me... It's a mechanism to enhance the dedication to study habits. That's the way I interpret it. Isn't that something that Bill was doing, Belichick? Wasn't he doing the same kind of thing? Belichick at some point also has done that, I believe, yes. And it wouldn't shock me if Saban has. I don't have any relationship with the people down in Alabama with the Crimson Tide. As you know, Saban doesn't allow his assistant coaches to talk to the media. Right. So I don't have any connections down there, but it wouldn't shock me if he's done that. Well, oh, makes sense. Those are the guys he learned from. Right. I mean, that's the, right. the stuff you're trying right. to take from. Yep. And so Graham Gano is going to be the kicker. They You brought there in you Chandler Catanzaro. He was there for a few weeks, and now Graham Gano, which seems like a pretty good addition. Well, Catanzaro di- didn't kick all that well, to be honest with you, fellas. He came in after you know your retirement, and he tried his best. And I, I didn't sense that he really met the standard. And so they bring in Gano who uh, ended the 2018 season with a fractured fibula in his left leg, which is his plant leg. You remember that that injury came upon him only a few weeks after he hit a 63-yarder in Carolina to beat the Giants on the final play of the game. Mm. Yes. How ironic is that? You know, he was the kicker in Carolina all through Dave Gettleman's tenure with the Panthers. And remember, Thomas McGahey, who was the Giants' special teams coordinator, also spent some time in Carolina on their special teams unit and so he obviously knows Gano as well. Uh, his numbers are very good. Uh, he's, he's got a very strong leg, over 50. And, uh, you know, for his career, I think he's at something like 83% for his field goals over his career. And he's one of only seven kickers in NFL history who has converted a field goal of 63 yards or more, one yard shy of Matt Prater from Denver, who has the record at 64. So you're talking about a guy who's got experience, who has connection to a coach, as well as the GM. I believe uh, he's only like 31 years old, if I'm not mistaken, so he should still have some leg. On Instagram last week, he was posting videos of how he had rehabbed over the past year and feels like he's ready to make a comeback. And so the Giants have to put him through, and any player that they they need to bring in, they have to go through the COVID protocol that is set forth by the league. And until you get through the three-day protocol, you can't negotiate and sign a deal. Now, you remember, Ross Cockrell was reported to have come in a week ago, the cornerback, and he went through the protocol, and then when it came down to signing, it didn't happen. For whatever reason, it fell apart, and so he left. And so I don't want to count my chickens here by telling you that Graham Gano is going to be the Giants kicker at practice tomorrow because I believe tomorrow midday would be the time he clears the protocol and would be eligible to sign. And, you know, short of being a fly on the wall – I can't tell you for sure that he's going to put pen to paper. Hmm. Well, well, Paul, let's hope that this season comes off with no glitches. You know what I mean? Let's hope that we get a, a full NFL season. We get that Thursday night opener, and here we go. 
You know? That's yeah, I'm with you, Joe. I, I do believe. I will tell you this, fellas. I happen to know the NFL has like five different contingency plans mm-hmm. for either delays or for a season that may have to be interrupted and picked up in a second half of a season, kind of like what the NBA did or the, right. or the NHL did. Right, right. They, they've literally got a handful of contingency plans that they can pull out of their pocket on a moment's notice. So I have tremendous confidence that even if there are a couple of detours, that Roger Goodell is going to make this season happen. I, I, agree I with fully him. believe yeah, it. I agree. I agree with him. Hey, look, he if baseball has been able to do what they've done with the issue they've had with the Cardinals and the Marlins, football will play. You know what I mean, Paul? That's what I think. I don't think there's any doubt. I remember, Joe, when there was a work stoppage back in 1982, they wound up playing only nine games. Yep, yep. Yep. And and they did have a full postseason at a Super Bowl, and Indeed. I don't think anybody looks down upon the nobody thinks nobody. nobody nobody no you're right about nobody that. nobody does they Paul, amen to that Paul great talking to you we'll talk to you soon all right guys Paul. always always a pleasure be, Paul be good bro Nitino on the Giants. We'll-